Hello, everyone, and welcome to the penultimate episode of the Big at the Back podcast for the 2021-22 season. I am here. My name's Tom, and I'll be your wonderful host, and I'm joined by the lovely Matthew Higgins. Matt, how are you? I'm not lovely, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. It's It feels like summer again, and... As we just are about to hit record, Liverpool conceded to Southampton, so it could be title race over by the end of this podcast. How are you anyway? I mean... Other than that. Aside from Liverpool conceding, I'm great. I'm enjoying FPL for the first time in ages (laughs) um, because I'm actually having a good week when other people aren't, and that hasn't happened since game week 26. Um, Yeah, Klopp's lineup very, very suspect, but... I understand why he's doing it. Um, Before we get into anything, we just wanted to highlight some of the stuff we've seen on Twitter in the last 24 to 48 hours about the gay footballer coming out and the reception. Now, most of the FPL community have given a lovely, wonderful reception. Some of them haven't. Now, if you're anything less than fully supportive, then you're a massive cunt. So let's get that out of the way straight away because we stand by the LGBTQ plus community. We don't condone any of the vile, nasty messages from the small minority of the community. And if you're one of them, then you should probably check yourself. It's 2022, guys. And it's worth noting as well, it's not just, like you say, it's it, you should be fully supportive. It's not just, oh, I don't see why it's relevant. It should keep it to himself. No, representation matters. Um, So it's great to see that he has been brave enough uh, at the age of 17 as well, like so young. We've uh, we've seen obviously football has come out before, but normally like it's been in retirement. It's the first in England since Justin Fashion, who while he was an active footballer, and that was over 30 years ago now. So it's important that if there are young gay people out there and they see that there's someone there out there who can make it to the top, Um, then they can be themselves as well. So, yeah, completely echo the sentiments. Yeah. Um, I'm just back from Eurovision, so it's very clear the size of the fence that we fall on here at the big of the back. We're fully supportive and we embrace that side probably a little bit too much in my case. (laughs) (laughs) But looking at it from a community standpoint, most of the community has reacted really well and really nicely. So it does show what... A great community the FPL community can be at times for the most part apart from you I mean not in relation to this but just you're a shit person anyway I'll accept that because you know it's the one week you I'll probably be able to take that and have a big smile on my face (laughs) so I know you've cooked up a few special things for today so why don't you talk through what we're going to go through yeah, so we're going to look at the game week 37 so far, uh, as we are just sort of at the halfway point, really, with the few double uh, game week teams left to play uh, on Thursday evening. Then we're going to look ahead to the final game week of the season, uh, our sort of transfer plans, how we see the games going. We're going to look through each game in a little bit of detail, obviously some more than others. And then we're going to finish off with my revenge to Tom as I give him an FPL-themed quiz uh, to round out this week's episode, which I am very much looking forward to. Oh, I'm terrified. I can see you squirming already, and I love it. I'm very, very scared because you did really well, annoyingly. Um, to be honest, it was all guesswork. 
Yeah, if I get one out of, what is it, eight, nine, ten? It's ten you've got. If I get one out of ten, I will be delighted because that's one more than most of our listeners will expect. Um, <laughs> but They know you yeah. so well. <laughs> uh, really, really looking forward to it. Why don't we start then by dipping into our teams and how we're doing because we're halfway through the game week. So why don't you talk me through your free hit and how it's going so far? Well, I thought, to be honest with you, it was going quite badly. But then I looked at sort of the average scores and Liverpool have equalised. Oh. oh, no, the flag's gone up. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, I think it was more because I was comparing it to yours. And obviously, you, you've had a really good week so far. Uh, I'm currently sat on 47 points. Uh, that is live as well. So... That includes, uh, for example, I've got Emerson coming off my bench for Trent because he's not in the Liverpool squad tonight. Uh, Luca Dean with his six points, Ollie Watkins, and I did captain Harry Kane. So sort of paid off, probably could have gone better if I went for someone like Watkins or even as you did, Dean, who's obviously had a return with a game still to go. Connor Cody blanking at home to Norwich was a massive disappointment. Um, but all things considered, bearing in mind the overall like scores of this week across the world, I'm sort of uh, middling. I've got a slight red arrow. Uh, I'm currently sat at exactly 23,000 in the world, um, which is down about 700 from last week. So it's not too horrendous. Yeah, I was going to say that that score, while it seems low, isn't very low at all. The average score at the moment is 24. So I'm sure all of our listeners will remember last week, I basically said, look, FPL hasn't been fun for about 12 weeks. I've just been sliding and sliding and sliding, making constant wrong decisions when it came to 50-50s. So I just decided to have a lot of fun with my free hits and go for players that I haven't owned all season or that have hurt me badly this season and just treat it like a game and treat it like it's fun. And for the first time in ages, I'm having a really good week. So I'm not sure if that's a coincidence, if that's a slight on my own normal decision-making, but it seems to be working. So Martinez with only three, but with Burnley still to go. Um, I've got Robertson in there, but I've got Samikas on the bench. So I expect he'll come on for a two-pointer. Um, Anderson with two, but obviously at the back, I've got captain Luca Dina. Dina is the one player that caused me so much pain this season. I thought, let's be fun. Let's bring him in and captain him. He's got a return and he's still got Burnley to play. So I'm very, very excited about that. In midfield, the big one is James Madison, who I brought in because of that Watford game and 15 points. He's definitely repaid the faith. And I also have Son, then Zaha and Gordon. Zaha and Gordon both having to play each other. Uh, up front, I've got Kane with seven. Danny Ings only with two, but still got Burnley to play. And then my rogue pick was Jamie Vardy, who I brought in for that Watford game instead of Lukaku. And he's got 13 points. And he always performs against the big team. So looking forward to seeing what he'll do in that upcoming Chelsea game as well. So currently sitting on 61 points with still about uh, eight players left to play. So... If Luca Dina gets a clean sheet and a return, then I could be looking at a very, very nice score for this week. Even though I went out with the intention of just having fun, not getting a big score, it's nice when these things marry up. Yeah, it's gone very well for you. I must say I'm very frustrated at myself 
after having had Vardy in up until Sunday morning. And then I just got scared. I, I felt I needed to get De Bruyne in after his exploits. Uh, we haven't spoken since, actually. Uh, we haven't done a pod since his performance against Wolves Ooh. last week uh, when I did have him captain, which obviously shot me up uh, late last week at, at the end of that double game week for City. Um, and I felt like I needed to keep him in. But obviously, blanking against West Ham, which happy about as a West Ham fan, but not so happy about from an FPL perspective because to get him in, I had to sacrifice Vardy, which obviously has cost me a fair few points. Yeah, definitely. Um, that De Bruyne captain was the nail in the coffin for me. I, at that point, shot down to about 156k um, in the world. Now, thanks to this week so far, I'm up to 103k. So if I somehow get back into the top 100k, this season then that will be miraculous and that will be a win for me on my part considering where I was um but yeah all to play for as we look to the last game and honestly I don't think there's much use in talking about the remaining games for this game week because they're going to happen there's no possible way of changing or impacting them so I would look at suggesting let's dive right in to game week 38 the final game week of the season Let's crack on, apart from the fact I just want to mention that I want to marry Jared Bowen. He is so good, isn't he? That's (laughs) three assists and two goals in his last two games. Um, Why don't we start there then? Because if we go through all the games, they're all at the same time. There's no point going in order. So Brighton versus West Ham. Talk to me about... Okay, so let's do this. If there's anyone you would look to transfer in from each team... And why you would transfer them in? Well, obviously for West Ham, it's going to be Jarrett Bowen. The man has had the season of his life to date. Uh, I like he's, I think he's got the same amount of goal involvements as Kevin De Bruyne this season, which when you consider the price point he's at in FPL is just absolutely outrageous. He has been by far and away West Ham's, oh, I say by far and away, he's been West Ham's most valuable attacking output this season. Uh, the only person I put on a par with him in an overall footballing perspective is Declan Rice, which I think it says a lot when you consider how highly rated Declan Rice is. Um, from a Brian perspective, probably, I don't know, this is a tough one for me because West Ham have got a very poor record against Brighton. We haven't beaten them since they've been promoted to the Premier League. I think we lost the first three and I think the last five or six have all been draws. So, potentially a Brighton defender, but maybe Cucurella or someone like that. And the other one that's maybe a bit of a rogue shot is Danny Welbeck, who's coming into a bit of form towards the end of the season. Uh, and I just feel like he's the sort of person that will score against West Ham. Sounds really fun. <laughs> I might I might make that my transfer. Um, Danny Welbeck on the last day of the season. Why not? Um, yeah, I agree. I think Bowen... It's a really good shout for the last game of the season. Brighton's home form, we've spoken about enough. From a West Ham's point of view, I feel like Bowen's the obvious choice. I've got a really rogue shout, and that's Antonio, who has scored a couple of goals in his last four or five games. He looks like he's slightly coming back, and he's not the player he was at the beginning of the season, but for one last hurrah... I think if you're on a free hit, especially, it's worth a worth a bit of a punt there. Yeah, I don't see why not. He looked very good against City. Uh, he 
at times he bullied Fernandinho, who was sort of slotted into centre half with their obvious, like with their injury crisis that they've got there at the moment. So if he can do something similar, uh, he obviously picked up an assist against City as well in, for our second goal. So I don't see why not. He, yeah, it's a little bit more of a rogue shout, but probably still one of your top sort of four or five West Ham potential assets. Um, and just to go back, actually, um, Danny Welbeck has scored five goals in the Premier League against West Ham. He's only scored more against Southampton. Southampton, who we know a world class. Oh, 1 1. Is that 1 1? Uh, uh, I'm slightly behind someone Sky Go, so uh, I will let you know in about 10 seconds. It's showing on Google as 1 1, but it's not coming up with who the goal scorer is. So we'll Gomez to- Cross, Firmino, Minamino, 1 all. Excellent. Those are players. Minamino against his old club. <laughs> Everyone has those players on fantasy. I love Minamino. He he always does really well when he plays. Um, okay, brilliant. So coming back to West Ham and Brighton. Brighton for me, they had their big moment. They beat Man U 4-0. They're fully on the beach. I don't think there's anyone there I'd go for. Is there an argument for? And I'm thinking back to was it last season? Four nows? I think he got 19 points or something on the last day of the season. Is that there an argument there? I mean, it, the Just last the game of the season Zandler. always throws up something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so there's no reason maybe someone like Fornells, potentially Lanzini or someone like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe even Mark Noble for his last game as a West Ham <laughs> player, eh? I mean, that would be really absolutely... A hat-trick of penalties. <laughs> Well, let's look at another game then that's essentially meaningless, and that's Leicester versus Southampton, because I'm very happy owning Leicester assets for this week. Obviously, they were on a free hit, so next week I won't own any more of them. But from that perspective, I think Southampton, while I'm sure they're the best team in the world, while Liverpool are playing them, they are they have shown to be quite a bad team. And they were almost in the relegation conversation. So... I think Jamie Vardy is worth a punt for this game. If you don't really, really don't want to bring in Harry Kane and you're chasing in your mini league, there's no better option than Jamie Vardy, especially at home in the last game of the season with Wagatha Christie going strong. He he, he relishes drama, doesn't he? So <laughs> whenever anything like this is going on, he seems to just start scoring goals again. It will... A lot of it, I think, will depend on whether he gets any minutes against Chelsea on Thursday night because, obviously, still coming back from injury. Uh, played against Watford. Does he play against Chelsea? If he does, does he then play against uh, Southampton on Sunday? Who knows? Uh, like I say, Madison is a great shout. Um, he's actually in my team at the moment. I free-hitted him out. Um, oh, which really as well. Yeah, I've got him in. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I mean, he's de- he'll definitely be staying. Uh, so, I... And I think I, I actually have got Schmeichel as well. Uh, and it has been confirmed by Rogers that he will play in these last two games as well after sitting on the bench against Watford. So I won't be taking either of them out. The only question is, do I start Schmeichel or Ramsdale for me? Yeah, we'll get on. To, so the Arsenal fixture is really interesting. So we'll get on to that in a bit. I want to get the boring games out of the way first. Um but I also have Schmeichel and I'll definitely be starting him in the last game, as well as Madison, actually. Um, another fixture that 
I don't want to say it has little to no meaning because it does, and especially for that top six place, but Crystal Palace versus Man United. Now, Man United, technically they've got something to play for in terms of that sixth place, but realistically, I, I think they're, they're gone. Their heads are gone. There's all the drama. Uh, Eric Ten Hag is going to be coming in, but half the players know they're not going to be there anyway. What they're going to do, do a big send-off for Paul Pogba, who's leaving as their worst signing ever. So I hope so. That seems, that seems fitting. That seems reasonable. So I think that if you're looking at anyone from this game, Wolf Zaha for Crystal Palace is definitely an option and could be a really, really fun punt for the end of the end of the season. What about you? Is there anyone that tickles your fancy outside of Zaha from this guy, this game? Well, not really. Like you say, if you're going to have anyone, it's probably going to be Zaha. I've got Mateta in my squad, but he will be bench fodder, I would imagine. I think. Obviously, I am very hopeful that Crystal Palace will beat Menu and we win our game and take sixth place. But I did hear this morning that the last time Crystal Palace beat Menu at Selhurst Park in the league was in 1992. Wow. So uh, they've been waiting a little while. And the last time they played them on the last game of the season uh, was in 2016 17 when Manchester United played a load of their youngsters and they won 2-0. And Josh Harrop, if you remember that name, scored a goal. Uh, he is now playing for Fleetwood Town. I'm impressed with your level of research. <laughs> I actually, I only I, I sort of looked into this because I was speaking to my old manager uh, the other day about it because he's a Crystal Palace season ticket holder. So he was the one that mentioned it to me uh, because I was like, please do us a favour on Sunday. <laughs> well, I I think if there's a time for them to break that duck, it's now because man, you are absolutely shoddy. Um, I think I heard on another podcast, Ronaldo is only three or four goals away from the Golden Boots. So again, maybe a punt on the Manchester United side if you really wanted to climb the mini leagues and you needed like 50 points or whatever to swap out Kane for Ronaldo. Yeah, Ronaldo's four points behind uh, four points, four goals behind Salah. So. I just can't see him catching that up. No, nor can I. Especially as he probably hasn't got the legs to go for another 90. Um, another almost meaningless game, um, one that I'm invested in quite heavily, is Chelsea versus Watford. Now, without the three hits, I'm back to three at the back for Chelsea, which is Alonso, Rudiger and James. I'm interested to see who starts on against Leicester because I think... Reece, Rudiger in his last game or Reese James as a bit of a punt is an are both captaincy choices or potential captaincy choices for the last game week of the season. So looking at Ch Watford, they are so bad at the moment. They got ripped to shreds by a Leicester team who are completely on the beach. And I think Chelsea, last game of the season, might just go, all right, screw this, we're angry. And absolutely put them to the sword. So I expect the fullbacks to do very well there. Um, frankly, there's no one on, in Watford I'd punt on in this last game, but Chelsea, I think the defenders are where you want to go. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I think you're, I think you're pretty much spot on there. You're obviously heavily invested in their defence. It'll be interesting to see how they line up exactly as you say. Mm. Uh, Rudiger, you'd imagine, will get a send-off. Um, Christensen's apparently thrown his toys out the pram, so I don't see him getting any game time. Uh, 
you'd imagine James will start. Obviously, they're coming off the disappointment of uh, losing in the FA Cup final on penalties. Maybe a Mason Mount shout to get to bury his demons of missing a penalty shoot uh, penalty in the in the final. Uh, obviously, they've still got their game um, on Thursday against Leicester, so that lineup might give us a little bit more clue in terms of who exactly is going to be playing in that one. But obviously, Lukaku looks like he might be starting again up front because of Havertz and Werner's injury issues. Uh, if you're really feeling fruity, just uh, if you if watch the FA final, Cup final, he just didn't look like a player that should be on the pitch. Oh yeah, but against the Watford defence. Anyone can score goals. I'd back myself to get a couple. <laughs> I love the Mason Mount shouts because he never plays well or never performs against the big teams, but he's great at being a flat track bully. All of his goals and assists have been in teams in the lower third of the league. That I may have made that up, but it's probably true. I so, definitely scored against West Ham this season. So again. Over-exaggerating to make a point. <laughs> but no, his, his last big return was against Southampton, wasn't it? So, yeah. and they're a poor side. He is ultimately flat-track bully, and he does like putting those lower teams to the sword. I think he could be an excellent captaincy option as well for the last game week of the season. And if I had the facility to bring him in, I would. It's just because of my three at the back, I can't. So I think Mason Mount's a really strong option. Lukaku, I hate. No, absolutely not Not going there. Uh, it would have been fun on the free hit week, but for the last week of the season, that just doesn't seem very fun to me. I look forward to Lukaku's hat-trick. After I brought him in. Excellent. <laughs> now let's start looking at the games that matter, and let's start at the bottom. So, we have some huge games at the end of the season. Let's start with Brentford versus Leeds because Brentford just put Everton to the sword and are playing Leeds last game of the season. Now, I thought Brentford looked really good and I think there is a case of bringing in Ivan Tony. I mentioned weeks ago that I could bring him in for Valt Vekos, but obviously I no longer have that demon in my side. Um, <laughs> but I think... Leeds need to get something here, and Brentford are just playing to banter Leeds into the championship. So th this could be a really interesting game. What do you make of this match in terms of how it's set out? Well, yeah, Brentford obviously stuck a, a dagger through Everton Hearts uh, on Sunday afternoon, but I think that was quite a lot of it self-inflicted. Obviously, Everton finishing the game with nine men on the pitch, but at the same time... Brentford are still, I was expecting them to have really tailed off by now, um, but they haven't done, they've kept their performances up pretty well. Leeds are obviously going to be going out of this game a million miles an hour. They know they need points. Um, anything less than a win and they're probably looking at relegation. So maybe even looking at bringing in Rafinha or Rodrigo or someone like that, just with the option of they know they need to go for it. So I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be looking at any defensive assets in this game. Uh, the one that does interest me a little bit is uh, Visser at Brentford. Johan mm. uh, Visser, he got a couple of returns in recent weeks. Uh, he's got 11 points against Everton and eight points against Southampton. So he's found a little bit of form there. So potentially him, if you're looking for someone a little bit different, that's not Tony or Ericsson, essentially, because they're going to be the most owned Brentford assets. Yeah, they definitely are. And I mean, at the moment, Ericsson 
in what's probably going to be his last game for Brentford. Let's be honest, he's going to go to a bigger club. Um, probably not Spurs, because I don't see how he gets in that side. But I think he'll go to the likes of an Aston Villa-esque team rather than Brentford. So, Okay, imagine if Villa had Ericsson and Coutinho. I mean, arguably Coutinho plays more as part of a front three, Ericsson just behind, so it could work, but there'd be no defensive stability whatsoever. Um, that sounds really fun, actually. I hope that happens. Um, <laughs> Wish it into existence. <laughs> but I, I agree. I think, honestly, I don't think defensively there's anyone you can go for in this match because both Leeds are going to go really gung-ho and, Eric, and Brentford do like conceding goals. But... I think Brentford, if you look at their form as well, they've got, what, three wins in the last, and a draw in the last five games. So that that right there is looking at top four form, realistically, compared to some of the other teams that have been fighting for it. So they've really ended the season much more strongly than any of us expected. Um, whether they can continue to do that against a Leeds team going all out, we'll have to wait and see. You think at this point as well, like they're sat in 11th in the table at the moment. If they get a win, they could see themselves in the top half, which would be a great achievement for them in their first season in the Premier League. And also financially, each position you go up the league is equates to about £2.2 million in prize money. So if they jump up, for example, if Brighton and Leicester both lose their last games, or if Leicester lose both of their last games, they can go up as high as ninth. So that's another £4.5 million in the bank. Yeah, I mean... I guess the players will probably be incentivized around that as well. So, yes, yeah, definitely feasible. Um, looking at the rest of the relegation scrap, then, we'll start by looking at the Burnley versus Newcastle game. Because what a match we've got on here. Burnley at home have to win, realistically, because I don't really see them beating Villa. Um, Newcastle having just <laughs> beaten Arsenal, and we'll move on to that in a minute because... Arteta. <laughs> um, but Burnley having to win at home with the crowd behind them, I think really do have a big chance of staying up. And I've got to bet on them to get relegated, but I think they really have a good chance and it's in their hands as to whether they stay up or not because Everton and Leeds aren't both going to win. Um, I think Veghorst was benched in the last game, so I don't think he's worth a punt. But I think looking at some of the other players... Nick Pope, if you've got him, you're keeping him. I think uh, Val Veghorst is always worth having, even though he's going to be benched. Um, Max Cornet is definitely one that's worth a punt. Newcastle, as far as I'm concerned, I think after that Arsenal game, that was their send-off. They're going to be on the beach for this one. Um, what do you think about this game and the players in it? Are you saying Nick Pope is a keeper? I hate you. I, I'm so tempted to kick you out right now. <laughs> I'm the host. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> I can kick myself out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, other than that terrible joke aside, Veghorst, get him in, put him, put your armband on him, make yeah. it happen. Uh, but the thing is, Burnley are just such a strange side. You don't know where anything's going to come from. The only person I'd even consider would probably be Cornet at the moment. Um, other Unless you're looking at Pope, he's the only person. But you're, you're not going to be bringing him in for one game week, are you? You've already got him. If you, if you if he's in your side, you're keeping him, but you're not going to be bringing him in at this point. No, uh, as for Newcastle, 
I'm not necessarily convinced they're going to take the foot off. You look at the, the second half of the season they've had, which has just been absolutely incredible. I, I also don't think Eddie Howe's the sort of manager that will let it up just for the sake of one game. Um, so potentially Callum Wilson, now that he's back. Uh, and he almost scored an outrageous goal last night from just inside his own half that just went wide. But the other one is Bruno Guimaraes. He's, he's continuing his form. He's like sort of been converted into more of an attacking midfielder. He scored more goals in this half of the season at Newcastle than he has in about his last two and a half seasons. So I think, and looking beyond this season for next season, he is definitely one to watch. Yeah, I think he's certainly one that's worth keeping an eye on at least. Um, but for me, I think Newcastle are on the beach. For me, they're in a void, but you, you can transfer them in if you want. I'm sure I can still catch you. Well, you never know. <laughs> yeah. um, looking at the other game, and we've saved this for last because we'll talk, talk about the top four after this. Arsenal versus Everton. Arsenal, for any hope of the top four, need to win this game. Everton, to ensure their survival, need to win this game. What are your thoughts on both teams? Well, you say that if Everton get a result on Thursday night, then they will oh. be safe. So they could, I, I would say if they ensure their survival on Thursday night, I would avoid because it's probably going to be such a come down for them after that, that it's, it's always the way if like you have that really high high and the, the ecstasy, it's really hard to then keep your performance levels up. And you see it so often in football when someone comes off the back of a big result, a big comeback or something like that, it's really hard to keep those levels up. So I think that plays a real big determining factor on what you do, whether you're looking at your Everton assets coming into Sunday. If they don't get the result, then you're looking at your usuals, your Richardson, maybe even Calvert-Lewin now that he's back in the side. Obviously, he got himself a goal on Sunday. Other than that, I'm probably not really looking at anyone in particular. I've got, I had Mikalenko in on my free hit, which hasn't gone well so far. Uh, people will still be looking at Anthony Gordon. I, th I think he's fallen away a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he seems to be more interested in diving than actually playing football. So, yeah, yeah I think maybe Richardson, maybe Calvert-Lewin, but I'm not in a hurry to bring any of them in. Yeah, I don't think they're really very investable. And if, even if you look at the Brentford match, regardless of the side, he's done well on fantasy, but look at that Brentford match and they've got two red cards in it and they've got Crystal, they're away at Crystal, or at home versus Crystal Palace next, but Palace have been playing well. So you've got to say Palace are probably favourites and with Everton getting two red cards, that's not a team that's in control. That's not a team that's directing their own fate. Gordon and Ricardoson are diving everywhere. They're getting sent off willy-nilly. They're still relying on defenders for most of their goals this season. They're, they're a club that are still in disarray and are probably going to be safe, but only due to the poor quality of the teams around them. I don't see them getting anything versus Crystal Palace, but I think they could versus Arsenal. Let's come on to Arsenal because... I think Conte calling out Arteta was one of my favourite moments of the season and fully deserved because while you've got Pep, Klopp, Tuchel, who do have a bit of a bitch and a moan occasionally, I feel like they've earned the right to have a bitch and a moan because they've actually won and been successful and actually taken accountability around being successful. I think the likes of Arteta and Lampard try all the time and blame everyone else without any success to warrant having that kind of judgment, get your head down, do a good job, and then 
start thinking about bigger picture stuff because neither of you are qualified to do anything. I'm putting Lampard in this category as well because he's always complaining about everything. So I think it's the it's the battle of the crybabies in this match. And Arsenal, if you look at that game against Spurs, they absolutely wilted. If you remember our end of the season predictions, I said I think Tottenham would pit Arsenal. You said no. I saw this coming a mile off. In under any pressure, this young, inexperienced, naive Arsenal team wilt. And that Tottenham team are a bit older, a bit more experienced, a bit stronger. And they've got what it takes in terms of an experienced manager as well to push through and get the job done. Something I think Arsenal are severely lacking. And I don't think Arsenal get a really get an easy game here at all. I think it's probably going to end in about the draw. Um, yeah, um, this game to me has won one all over it. In terms of a punt, I wouldn't go near either of the teams, in all honesty. Um, maybe in Ketia if you want to be cute, but uh, again, that, that feels like a bit of a waste of a forward slot in the last week of the season. Have you got any thoughts in terms of other players, potentially, looking at the Arsenal side? Are you sure you don't want to get Ben Whited after his minus two points so far this week? I think I'll pass, thank you. Oh, by the way, um, now Trent and Van Dyke and Robertson aren't starting for Liverpool. I wonder how many people have got Ben White coming off the bench from minus two. <laughs> you can include my brother in that list. He'll be at the top. Excellent. Your brother's done very well in terms of getting the big calls right this season, so I'm glad that he's human like the rest of us. Yeah, but no, um, like I say, I've got Ramsdale in my side at the moment. Uh, it's between him and Schmeichel as to who I start on Sunday, so... Neither of them inspire me particularly, but it'll probably be Schmeichel out of the two because, like you say, um, Arsenal seem to have just really sort of wilted in the last few weeks. It's the young squad. It has come back to bite them in the arse a little bit. Although we're saying this, you watch Norwich somehow beat Spurs at the weekend and Arsenal win 4-0 or something. It's just the way this season's going. It wouldn't surprise me. And it would be classic Spurs as well, wouldn't it, to lose... Norwich, by the way, could leapfrog Watford and make Watford the worst team in the league for the season. If, if that's not something to play for, then what is? I mean, it would be incredible if they didn't finish bottom after the season they've had. I mean, Watford have been so bad in the second half, though, changing managers. Um, yeah, let's talk about Norwich and Spurs then, because Spurs were really, really impressive against both Liverpool and Arsenal, actually. And they've got the job done in the last week with Harry Kane getting his goal. So I think it would be very classic Spurs to go and just do nothing here. Also, I was listening to another podcast. It was talking about how Nick Pope was on a one-man mission to deny humans on the golden boots in the Burnley game because he mm -hmm. made save after save after save from Son. So Son is a, probably going to be the most captain player this game week. Uh, obviously, I've still got Kane. I'll probably be bringing Son in for Salah, but what Spurs assets do you own at the moment? Where are you sitting on them? So at the moment, I have Kulosevsky still after my free hit, so he's then back. I, I would love to get Kane and Son in for this game week. Uh, like you say, Son's got that golden boot in his sights, um, especially as it looks like Salah could potentially be missing the weekend with an injury. So if he grabs a couple of goals, then he can take that golden boot, which will be huge for him. 
and Norwich, I know they did a little bit better against Wolves, but I, they still look horrendous defensively. They, I would imagine them to give up a lot of chances. I could easily see this game ending like 6-0 or something like that. Yeah, this just feels like uh, Harry Kane's angry he hasn't got the golden boot and goes on a rampage. Um, is there a preference in terms of captaincy? Kane versus Son? I, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean... I, there's not a right or wrong answer here until after the fact when one of them is right and one of them is wrong. <laughs> but if, if you're looking before the game at a punt, like they're both good shouts. Yeah, I think for full transparency, because I'm bringing Son in, I'm going to be captaining him. But if I was bringing Kane in, I'd captain Kane. It's just if you bring in a player in that price bracket, you should probably be putting your armbands on them. Uh, so that, that's my thinking. Either that or I just Captain Rudiger and go a bit wild. Which also sounds Do fun. it. Do I mean, it. The fun picks have worked for me this week versus the intelligent picks. So I'm not adverse to it. Um, let's talk about the title race then, because Liverpool drawing one all with Southampton at the moment. They're at half time. Um, but assuming they get the win, then it's just one point between them and City, which means City have to win. Anything else would basically just need Liverpool to beat Wolves. So I, Liverpool are still in with a shot of the title. So let's talk about Liverpool Wolves first. And from a fantasy perspective, where you're standing on it. So at the moment, I have three Liverpool players, Matip, Trent and Salah. So Salah is obviously probably going to be coming out, uh, especially as it looks like he's injured. And to be honest with you, even if he was fit I'd probably still be looking at dropping him uh, just because I think that Son or Kane depending on who I go with is the better option for this week as a one as a one week hit so they're the ones for me uh, I think as he's not playing tonight Luis Diaz is looking at a very good shout for this week as well as is Sadio Mane so I think any of the Liverpool attacking out the assets that will probably play on Sunday are good shouts because they know that they need to go out there and win the only thing is, obviously, goal difference is not going to come into account now. So, unless Liverpool draw tonight, then City lose, then it will come into account. But I don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, this is on the assumption Liverpool win tonight, which is a big assumption considering the team sheet. Um, I could take a minus four next week and drop Phil Foden for Luis Diaz. However... That would make it a one-week punt, which kind of makes me a bit worried because is Luis Diaz going to outperform Foden by five points or more to make it worth it? I, I'm not sure because Foden could return something as they need to win as well. So I'll probably just be lining up with uh, Trent next week from Liverpool because I'm going to be dropping Salah for Sun. Yeah, I think... The, the Diaz v Foden debate's an interesting one. Um, Foden didn't play against West Ham, so does uh, it's Pep in it. You never know. Yeah, I think is Foden in their best eleven? I'd argue probably yes. I would imagine so, but they've just got so many options. Like Foden mm. didn't start, Sterling didn't start, but you've still got Greenish, Jesus, De Bruyne. Bernardo, like Mares, it's just so many options and such a wealth of attacking talent that yeah, it's so hard to be, have like other than De Bruyne probably like none of them are nailed on. 
maybe I do do the transition and wait and see, I guess. Um, but then looking at City then and their last fixture against Aston Villa, I can just see it. 91st minute, Fernandinho in his last game for City slips, lets Coutinho in and Coutinho buries it past Everton. Um, Everton? Past Everton? Everton. <laughs> he won't be doing that again until next season. Uh, past uh, Edison to give the win to Aston Villa and win the title for Liverpool. That would be football poetry at its finest. So saying that, that will probably happen when City is 7-0 up already. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't really give Aston Villa much hope of actually winning this game, but I think there is a chance of a draw. I think Aston Villa could squeak a draw out of it in the same way West Ham did. Um, so Pep's going to have to go all out with his best 11. What are your thoughts on the City assets? And is there anyone you're thinking you want to get in? You've got De Bruyne, or I'm assuming you have Cancelo as well? So, yeah, again, I'm tripled up on City at the moment. Cancelo, Laporte and De Bruyne. So they will all be staying. I'm not going to change anything there. It just seems a bit silly too. Villa have got a chance. I think they can learn a thing or two about how West Ham played against them. But what West Ham did very well is Antonio came deep quite a lot and left Bowen quite often as the highest player up the field um, and targeted Zinchenko. So he was the one that was seen as the weak spot in that defence, which is probably fair enough. So if you can get in, in behind him, because quite often he's far, higher up the pitch and he hasn't got the ability of someone like a Cancelo or a Walker to get back, um, so that was a little bit more of a struggle. But that being said, I can't see City slipping up at home with the league on the line. I think an early game, an early goal kills this game and kills the title race very early on on Sunday afternoon. I completely agree. I think after 20 minutes, City will be two up and that will be the end of that. But either way, both Liverpool and City have been tremendous this season. And Liverpool currently on, what, 86, 87 points. That would have been enough to win the league so many seasons in a row before this Liverpool and City dominance. So it is probably the two best footballing teams we've ever seen in England going head to head. So, yeah, what a season they both had. It almost feels like this is going to be the new norm. Like you've got to get 90 points minimum to have a chance of winning the league with these two teams here, because like you say, they're just their dominance over the lower half of the league You in sort of 10 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, it was quite common for, it felt like anyone could beat anyone. Now it feels like those up, surprise upsets are a lot fewer and further between. Yeah, agreed. Is there an argument to say we're becoming like Spain, Barcelona, Real Madrid dominance? Maybe. Um, even, I mean, even if you look at that, I mean, it's, but then look at last season, Liverpool only just scraped top four in the end. Um, yeah, with zero centre-backs all season. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I mean, like, there are those seasons. I mean, we had the Leicester season. I don't think it's quite at that stage yet, but when you look at the likes of... I feel like there's, we have more good teams uh, than Spain. Like, we have a top six, um, whereas they are more of a top two and a half if you're including Atleti so like I I mean I know Barca have had a bad season but that's I would imagine that's going to be a freak one-off yeah I agree I also just noticed as well um a little bit of extra for you on the FPL Cup you and I are facing each other in the semi-final this week yeah and you're winning and I think that is my cup dreams over for the season 
talk about a bad week to play me. You've beaten me basically every week up until now. <laughs> so, the, good, the only good thing is in my uh, other big league, um, it's me versus my brother, and I am winning that one. So uh, I should be through to the final. <laughs> well, wait and see. Um, okay, wonderful. Well, I'm very much dreading the next part of the podcast, and I hope that if you've been listening so far, you're not expecting anything from me. But now, nah, take us away. So, Thomas Madden, your specialist subject. Uh, so, this quiz for you 10 questions similar to your quiz for me. It's all 50 50 choices. Okay. And it is two players. Which player has received the most bonus points this season? Oh. That's really good. I've struggled <laughs> tremendously. <laughs> so, are you ready? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tough. I thought I'd start with a nice couple of ones for you specifically. So, who has received more bonus points this season? Trent Alexander-Arnold or Joel Cancelo? Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> That's very, very tough because... Trent in the first half of the season seems to pick them up every week, but whenever uh, Cancelo got a clean sheet, he was racking up bonus points. Um, I'm going to go with my boy, Trent. So Trent has 32. Cancelo has 27. Yes. So That's it, guys. Quiz over. I'm done. <laughs> one for one. Well done. Another one just for you. Oh. Mohamed Salah. Versus Kevin De Bruyne. Salah. Salah has 29. De Bruyne has 32. What? (laughs) (laughs) I guess first half of the season, I'm guessing Salah's goals and his big returns came in loads. And there were normally loads in one game. Or he was very consistent, wasn't he? He was picking up a return every week for 22 weeks in a row or something like that. So I'm guessing he wasn't racking up bonus points as quickly. I also feel like he had a lot more competition with the likes of Trent and Robertson. Like the fullbacks often get in big halls and then you then you throw Mane and Diaz later in the season and Yota. So, but yeah, well. Well, I'm already one ahead of where we thought I'd be. So. <laughs> uh, up third, Hyungmin Son versus Jared Bowen. This is tough because Bowen playing for West Ham really, really did come into his own during that almost the second quarter of the season and was tremendous. Hyungmin Son is very much the third or the last bit of the season, the last 10 weeks or so. Um, I feel like this is a bit of a trick question because Son's on more points, but I'm going to go with Jared Bowen because Son has had to compete with better players. So Jared Bowen has 24. Young Son has 27. Oh, God damn it. Go with your gut. (laughs) Yeah, I I overthought that one. Uh, Yes, you did. So now... Sticking with the Spurs theme, Harry Kane versus Cristiano Ronaldo. I would say whenever Ronaldo scores, he gets bonus points. Ronaldo. So Ronaldo has 29. Harry Kane has 22. Yeah. I figured uh, 
you know, if you look at who Kane is competing against, he's got Son, he's got the fullbacks that like Reguillon's picked up quite a few as well. So I would, yeah, Ronaldo, when he scores, he gets bonus points and he's on 18, 19 for the season. So I think that that was a bit more of a simple one. Sound logic. Uh, I think you'll like this one. Emmanuel Denis versus Jamie Vardy. That's very tough. I think Emmanuel Denny has played more games, but Jamie Vardy like, was so explosive in the first part of the season. That's really tough. Um, I believe that Jamie Vardy's got more attacking returns than Emmanuel Denny this season. Yeah, Jamie Vardy, I'm going to go with. So Jamie Vardy has 23. Mm. Emmanuel Denny has 21. Very so, close. Very yeah, close. it was. Uh, it was tighter than I expected it to be. Mm. Uh, but like you say, Vardy's been out injured quite a bit as well. So that was maybe think, oh, will Denny just have nicked it? But yeah, yeah I know well. that Vardy's got more attacking returns and so and fewer games. So you'd expect him to pick up more bonus points when he gets those attacking returns. Would be my yeah. thinking around it. Uh, we're going to goalkeepers now for this one. Oof. Not ones for getting a lot of bonus points. Is Ramsdale an option? Because then that's just not true. Uh, no. So <laughs> it is Hugo Lloris yep. versus Lucas Fabianski. So I remember Hugo Lloris uh, got three bonus against Man City at the beginning of the season um, and has picked up quite a few there when he's got penalty saves. Fabianski, less so. West Ham have been quite leaky, but Fabianski's made quite a bit of quite a few saves, but I think they've been a lot more leaky than Spurs. So I think Hugo Lloris. So Hugo Lloris is on 11 and Lucas Fabianski is on 9. Yeah. I mean... So when, when looking this up, Fabianski got three bonus points in the first two games of the season. So he got six in his first two games and he's had five in all of the games since then. Um, I thought maybe Fabianski might throw you off because he's his penalty saved as well because he's had a penalty at the weekend. He's saved four penalties this season out of six that he's faced. So that's a good record. Yeah, it's a very good record. On to fullbacks, as we are big at the back. Mm-hmm. Reese James, the Aaron Creswell. Creswell's been injured most of the season, but Reese James, I'm thinking of what was he's had. Because um, Reese James has been up against the likes of Alonso, Mount Rudiger, etc. Um, Lukaku. Hmm? Lukaku. Lukaku. <laughs> 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 of one game, two maybe. Um, I'm going with my gut, which is remembering some of Creswell's pause. I'm going to go Creswell. Yeah, Creswell. I'm so Aaron Creswell is on 17. Reese James is on 22. Oh. Where, where on earth has he picked those up? Because he's only had about four good weeks this season. But those uh, last weeks have been massive. I can tell you where he's picked them up. So, Reese James. Da-da-da. He got three against Arsenal in week two. Yep. Uh, one against Norwich in week nine. And then 10, 11 and 12 against Newcastle, Burnley and Leicester. He got three in, in each of those games. Oh, that's so frustrating. <laughs> Three away at Burnley in that um, 4-0 win when he got uh, a goal and an assist and a clean sheet when I captained him. 
and then also got three against Leeds um, last week. Ah, uh, so that's what tips it over. Okay. Yeah. So uh, up next, uh, this is number eight. So after we'll quick update here, seven down, you've got four right so far. So over 50%. Uh, as we move on to question eight, Bruno Fernandes, the Sadio Mane. Now, Sadio Mane doesn't normally pick up bonus points on account that he's got the fullbacks and Salah and occasionally John Matip as well to compete with. Um, who was the other one? Bruno Fernandes. Fernandes is difficult because he got three in the first game, and then when Ronaldo was out injured, he did really well for a few games as well. And I reckon with the penalties, he's probably picked up some slyly on, on silence as well. I think even though he's had a much worse season, I would go Bruno Fernandes on account that he's playing in a much worse team. So Bruno Fernandes has 15. Mm-hmm. Sadio Mane has eight. Yeah, Mane and Yota don't really pick up bonus points just because if they do well, everyone around them does better. So interesting, but yeah, I, Mane doesn't really get bonus points. That's why he's a, such frustrating FPL assets despite his numbers. Sound logic, sound logic. Now, a name I mentioned a few minutes ago on question nine, Romelu Lukaku. Or Armando Brogia. Now, Brogia has had three bonus points in at least one game. <laughs> I had him on my team for that one game. Whereas Lukaku, I can think of two games where he got three bonus points. Now, did either of them get any bonus points ever outside of that? I would argue probably not. But because I want it to be true, I'm going to say Brogia. Okay, so Brogia has 11. Wow, that's more than I expected. <laughs> yeah, Lukaku has 12. Oh, brutal. <laughs> Where's Lukaku picked up the others? Because he had the game against Arsenal and then the game he scored two goals, I think straight after that, when Ronaldo also scored two goals. I can't... Oh, he had a recent one as well where he got a couple of goals as well. So that'll take him up to nine. So, so guess... yeah, he got two against Arsenal, mm-hmm. uh, three against Villa in week four when he picked up two goals, like you say. Uh, then in weeks 19 and 20, he got two points against Villa and Brighton. And then three in that two-all draw against Wolves a couple weeks ago that you mentioned. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Whereas Proya, let, let's be honest, they're, they're few and far between. Still, if you yeah. consider the price difference. I mean, and the fact that they're both shit. Um, <laughs> so final question um, so so far you've got five out of nine so this to take you to six out of ten above that 50% mark Raul Jimenez <laughs> Vicalecci Inacho <laughs> oh my god how could I not finish with the Inacho I mean, head says him and his heart says Ian Nacho. Um, when Ian Nacho's played, he's tended to do well, but Jimenez had that run earlier. No, no, I've learned this week that <laughs> heart overhead when it comes to FPL. Using your head gets you nowhere. Ian Nacho. Ian Nacho has 10 bonus points. Raul Jimenez 
has 11. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> well, I regret nothing. I, I, back, I back to you in that show, and I always will. <laughs> if, you give, so, if you give them both a one-on-one with the keeper, we know who we're backing, so... I, I, to be fair, it's a good effort. Five out of ten. Uh, I think you can be proud of that. It's four more than I expected to get, so I'm very happy. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, Matt, for that quiz. I'm sure we'll have more in the off-season as well when we're just doing podcasts spouting our rubbish opinions. Um, Matt and I are both going to be going to the pub and getting very drunk to watch the last matches of the season. So expect a lot of funny, entertaining, awful opinions on the big at the back Twitter, at big at the back. So the usual. The usual, yep. You can find Matt at Higgins92 on Twitter, myself at TomMadden92 on Twitter. And why don't we talk to the two listeners we've got left what's coming up about what's coming up next week, Matt? So, yes, next week, uh, obviously, as you said there, we will be out on Sunday watching the games. But next week, we are going to be doing a special podcast with our friends at the FPL North v South podcast. Uh, so we'll be looking to record that early next week um, and have that out by the middle of next week as we look back on the season that has been our overall performance and a few special features thrown in there as well. So that's something to look forward to. Definitely. And even though the season is ending, we'll probably be recording podcasts throughout because we have plenty of terrible opinions that are always going to be worth sharing. But yeah, and nothing we- better to do. Exactly. Nothing better to do at all. So looking forward to that next week. Um, Again, just to highlight, if you are facing some trouble in the FPL community or if you need any support, especially with the recent actions and the recent abuse that's been going around, don't hesitate to reach out to us and we'll throw abuse at the people abusing you and also offer you some support as well. Otherwise, we can't wait for the final game week of the season and look forward to seeing all of your scores then. Thanks all so much.